0: If you take it at face value, this movie will make no sense. It'll make zero sense. Yeah, Like, I remember sitting in the theater with people who were just being like, what? I thought this was a horror film. Right. It is a horror film. Yeah. But if you're a believer, it's a different kind of horror film. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the... Third episode of The Critical Millennial. Today we're going to be talking specifically about God in film as well as getting uh, further along into our list of our top 10 favorite films. But before we get into all of that, a little bit of housekeeping here. We have a Twitter. We finally have a Twitter thanks Woo! to Alex. Yeah, Alex, what is our Twitter handle? It's at The
1: Critical Mill One. That's at The Critical Mill One. One. Yes,
0: it's a little complicated, so you can just search the Critical Millennial, and it'll come up. Just look up for our logo. Yeah, our, our yellow and purple X. Uh, we are better than the Lakers. I'll just Amen. throw that out there. Yep, Cricket's a weird sport. Screw you, LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he went to Golden State. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, no.
0: I just got shunned by all of Cleveland. <laughs> all right, and if you got any questions about our Twitter, uh, ask them to us on our Twitter. We also have an Instagram, which is the underscore critical... Underscore. Underscore. <laughs> <laughs> millennial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you can also just search for the Critical Millennial and our yellow and purple X and all of that will show up for you there. We would love your follows. That's where you'll find any behind-the-scenes stuff, polls, questions, movies that we're currently watching, TV oh, yeah. shows we're currently watching, and any anything else that you'll find there. Um, Alex, any other housekeeping you might be able to think of?
1: Um, as far as I know, not really, except for the fact that I am working on doing a wordpress yeah so that should be coming soon as well we'll mm-hmm. keep you updated with that keep your, keep an eye on social media and things like that
0: yeah keep your eyes on all of our socials even our two private accounts there we'll be letting you guys know when apple podcasts will be a thing yes um definitely. but for now we are on spotify and a couple other small places the anchor app has let me know about but no oh, i haven't cool. heard of them so no one's heard of them right <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right so today the agenda is to give two more films from each of our top 10 lists then we're going to each specifically talk about one film that directly talks about and points to God, whether in a positive light or a negative light, or even a film that just points to a higher power. Mm. Then we're going to give another unpopular opinion. Woo! And oh no, mine's oh. going to hurt some souls. I don't know Kyle's yet, so I, I don't know. There's. I don't know Alex's either, but I'm. I'm more nervous, I think, for him to hear mine. Oh, no. It's pretty unpopular. (laughs) Um, And then our final note for today is that we will begin a conversation on why should Christians even pay attention to Hollywood or the entertainment industry. Uh, So now that I'm saying all this out loud, it kind (laughs) of sounds like a lot. And the two of us are really long winded people. That's very true. Uh, So we're in danger here. Yeah. So without further ado, here's episode three, and it's time for us. To get critical. Oh. oh my gosh, the critical millennial. Uh, so so Alex, I'm gonna toss to you first what is the next film from your top ten that you're gonna talk about?
1: Yeah, so the next film on my top ten is Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight. Okay. So shocker. Yeah, I know, right? Um so I I love Christopher Nolan and I know I've said that already a few times on uh, on the podcast, but the big thing about the Dark Knight is I think that the social awareness of the release time um, was a big thing for yeah. me because like it came out at a time it came out at a time when like terrorism was at a high and like um, like artsy film also was so like being able to put this together and being able to make a real film that involves very real stakes that are very relatable to Americans, I think was a big, it was a big pusher for a lot of people to see it. I think that's why it's such a big hit. Yeah, for sure. But from a critical standpoint, there's a lot that this movie says about Bruce Wayne and about the Dark Knight, but also like about the Joker and things like that. And one of the big things is with that thing that I love about Batman is that he is a light in the world that is... Surrounded in darkness, Mm. and I think that is exemplified so much in the Dark Knight because the Joker really just Takes on darkness. He takes on Mm -hmm. like what evil looks like Mm -hmm. and although the Batman embraces Darkness, and that's kind of who he becomes he is the one that there's hope in the world of dirty cops of bad people and specifically well, like you think about like Christ talking about how we're called to be like the light in the world, right? And like how Christ is the light of the world, and to have Batman in that movie as a Christ figure, which I push a lot. Yeah. Um, John eight twelve says, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." Mm. And I think that in the midst of this dark Gotham, Batman is that light. And, like, there's the... You can also talk about, in, like, the darkest of times, that the Batman is the hope. Um, like, you'd see all these t- things with the Joker, especially that end scene with the two boats, the two ships. Oh, yeah. It's, it's tough to watch, but being able to have that hope in a Batman that's hopefully going to save these people, that he's going to... that That is where their hope is placed. And, like, the last big thing that I take away from these movies is that... I've seen this. I've seen all the Dark Knight movies, the Dark Knight trilogy, many times. But the, one of the biggest thing is that Batman embraces his fear in order to get over it. And I always thought about this: is the Batman and Bruce Wayne leaving behind somebody that he used to be mm. and becoming somebody new? You know, and although like he keeps it secret and he keeps things tucked away, he is the he is making himself into a new person for gotham the person that gotham needs yeah and like as as christians a big thing is that we are leaving behind the old self and becoming somebody new and though we are not perfect and i'm not saying that the batman's perfect Mm -hmm. um he is the one that he is the one that is being the light and he's the one that's like transforming gotham for the better so the dark
0: knight is one of my favorite movies oh yeah of all time i love it so yeah but what about you kyle what's one of yours my my next film I'm going to talk about is one that is very near and dear to my heart. It is 2001's um, Spirited Away. Ooh. Yeah, by Studio Ghibli. Um, this film is about a young girl named Chihiro and her parents as they are moving and they stumble into and like an abandoned like amusement park type place. But for some reason, there's still you know, all this fresh food and and like all these things. And so her parents get turned into pigs, and then she falls into the spirit world where she then has to serve. Um, she serves in, in this bathhouse for spirits as she's just cleaning up, delivering food, all doing all the, this grunt work just mm-hmm. to work off a debt that her parents now owe. Um, but what's really incredible about the film, other than it's just artistic, if you've never seen it, a Hayao Miyazaki Studio Ghibli film, like Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, The Howl's Moving Castle, all of those films are incredible and they're very deep. Um, but, but what's great about uh, Spirited Away is that Hayao Miyazaki created this film to help the now-booming Japan not forget where it's come from.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, and so, like, it's, it is a, a film about the... It's a cautionary tale of greed and gluttony. Um, because Japan now was booming at the time, and, and um, Hayao Miyazaki was just afraid and wanted to remind the Japanese culture of where it had come from and the dangers of where it could end up going. Wow. And the message of the film is to not forget where you've come from. Um, and that greed and gluttony are bad things that we should not in, engage in. And um, Chihiro Chihiro she she breaks she falls in love with his boy named Haku, who ends up being a river dragon. Um,
1: oh, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. And yeah, yeah. and
0: like and and ultimately it is her love for Haku and her love for her parents that breaks both the curses, mm-hmm. the one that's on Haku's life and on her parents' life. And it just reminds me so clearly of how Christ's love for us broke the curse of sin for those that have accepted that. Um, and in this, this cautionary tale of greed and gluttony, it's a call to renewal. And 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 for believers, I see it as in a call to remember your sin natures, where you've come from, so, so much so that you can be humbled when you look at the cross. Wow. And not forget that, like, Jesus has saved you from being a pig and the swine and saved you from greed and from gluttony. And he's brought you out of the muck and the mire. Because so much of the film of what Shahiro goes through is she's covered in dirt and soot and like just food and water. and like, But she still is sacrificing her life to save that of her parents. Right. And her now friend that she loves, Haku, and so it's just like Jesus Christ calls us to lay down our lives for our friends. Yeah, and that is something he did, and it's something that she does in this movie. Um, and Spirited Away, give that, it, a, give it yeah. a shot, give it a shot.
1: I, I really like that movie. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie. I yeah. haven't seen. Is it? How you
0: say, Ghibli or Ghibli? I it's I've heard Ghibli or Ghibli. Okay, well, that's it, what, there's an H in there. So. Right. Okay,
1: that's the only one of that company that I've ever seen of that production. They all ever. deserve to be watched. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. What is up next for Alex Oates? So my next one, I'm going Christopher Nolan again, Interstellar. I, I love Interstellar. It's Interstellar. I know. Kyle's making these faces. It's just, they're good. It's, they're it's, good faces. They're good faces. They're good faces, yeah. Um, I love Interstellar, though. It is legitimately, like, it's described a lot of times as the spa- a space epic. Opera. Opera. I've I heard that, too. Opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could get behind that, as well. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen it give you a brief brief synopsis of a three-hour movie the <laughs> earth <laughs> the earth is dying they need to basically find a place for humanity to live so they take a spaceship they jump through a wormhole and they find like a whole different like galaxy to like be to plant life in and the thing is they'd already sent people out there mm-hmm. and they're kind of like on this, this this mission to like follow up with those people that they haven't heard from yeah great great movie so the biggest Biggest things from that movie though that I take that I've taken away. I've seen this movie pro- not as many times as
0: Dark Knight, just because Interstellar. There's so much to take in when you watch it. I've given I've m- mathed out about forty seven hours of my life to this film. Really? Oh yeah, just sitting there watching it. I don't thought, blame you. Not it's thought thing, alone. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame
1: you. Is the thing. Mm-hmm. So there's so much in this movie. So it has commentaries about like things like time. So like the the fact that. Time is something that is constantly passing, constantly moving. And when Coop, Matthew McConaughey's character, leaves home, his daughter is brokenhearted. And I don't think it completely clicks with Cooper, what's happening, mm. because, just with the emotion. And then they go onto the planet where, I, keep, I always forget, you know, is it, It's for every hour it's seven years? Seven years. It's seven years. So he's on this planet for every hour, it's seven years, and he comes back off this planet. And his, all of his daughter's life is missed. And this scene, every time I watch it, I always end up in tears. I have to pause the movie usually because I just can't see through all the tears. And, but time is just such an essential aspect of life. Mm-hmm. And our lives are like a breath in the wind, you know And I don't and in that movie, Cooper does not realize that until he gets off this planet, where he's only been there for a few hours, and all of a sudden he missed all of his kids' lives. And it's, it breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. And it's a realization that I don't think even a lot of Christians have. Um, and I think it's an important thing to not waste our time. Mm-hmm. Um, whew, I'm running out of time. Um, <laughs> and now, uh, two other big ones is Well, I'll go with one other big one. Love. I, I'm not going to say much. I'm not going to say much because I know, I know Kyle has stuff he'd want to say about this. <laughs> but this movie basically starts talking at the beginning of the movie, starts talking about love and the whole movie ends with talking about love mm-hmm. and I, w- I won't say anything else i'm gonna let Kyle take care of that in another day but <laughs> i i just got to say like that love is one of the most essential things to uh, to our faith mm-hmm. and that first john everything there christ is love and uh, that's all i'll say but
0: Christ is love, and because of his love, he's given us life, so... Yeah, spoiler, spoiler alert, uh, Inner is much higher on my list than it is on Alice's. It is, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Kyle, your turn. All right, okay. <laughs> my, my next film, um, and it just appalls me how different our lists are. I know. Like, every time we... I love up, it. Because uh, my next film is Mean Girls from yeah! I adore this movie. <laughs> I've seen it, honestly, probably 30 to 40 times somewhere in there. And, like, if it's on pause, on mute, I can say the whole movie
1: that makes me so happy say the
0: whole movie um but it's about this this girl named katie heron and she moves from from africa to like middle of nowhere america just like your your standard american uh town and there she she finds friends and then she gets involved with like the plastics or this like group of mean girls in school mm. they're popular and then she just falls into that and becomes a mean girl um and then, the, and then just hilarity ensues and all of it. Danny DeVito, I love your work! <laughs> I was just going to say, I have all these lines <laughs> yeah. running through my head. Um, outside of the movie being endlessly quotable, and it and is, I fully believe this movie is timeless. Because mm-hmm. there are high schooler and middle school students today that know this film. Yeah. And this film came out in 2004. This film is closer to 20 years old than it is 10 years old. And, like, it's still... Endlessly quotable. And it's about the need to belong somewhere, to find where you belong. Um, and and it is also about the power, I believe, as more I think about this film, the power of forgiveness and respect. Um, and and there's there's like Matthew six fourteen fourteen fifteen, Mark eleven twenty five, Colossians three thirteen, Ephesians four thirty two. I'll speak to the power of forgiveness and the healing that follows that, because I I believe that that healing doesn't come unless forgiveness leads the way. And we see throughout all of these things that happen in the film, friendships breaking apart, um, a teacher going through a divorce, like a girl getting hit by a bus. <laughs> oh my goodness. But she couldn't be healed. Katie couldn't be healed from all the poison that now surrounded her life until Ah. she sucked the poison out. Right. Which involved forgiving everyone that she hurt and that hurt her. And then ultimately in the end of the film, all four of the girls that are the plastics, you know, Karen Smith, Gretchen Wieners, Regina George, Katie Heron, they all split apart their senior year and go their own ways. But they are better off for it. And they've forgiven each other and they now respect each other from a distance. And it's a message of forgiving people and respecting them, regardless of what they've done to you, how much they've hurt you, but realizing that everyone's different and just searching for a place to belong. And ultimately, we know as believers that our hope in belonging somewhere is with the Father in glory. Ah, and here on earth, the only place that we can truly find belonging is with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm whether that is on a Sunday morning or in a week weekly group like that is where we belong until until glory comes. And I know like God, this is mean girls what that <laughs> but I truly believe that when you watch and you pay attention to this film it is about finding where you belong and forgiving forgiveness leading the way to healing. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so and so those are those are two two films that are the next on our top ten yeah. list. Um, they're nebulously numbered until we get to the top four. Right. Um, because the top four of mine are n- not going anywhere for, unless gonna something say. blows yeah. them out of the water. Yeah. Um, that so seems, that's, yep. ooh, what a conversation. I need to watch Mean Girls again. <laughs> none for you, Gretchen Wieners. <laughs> none, for, and none for Gretchen Wieners. You go, Glenn Coco. You go. White gold hoops are my thing. I'm, not, I'm a cool mom. Oh, man. Next section of the podcast, we are talking about films that point to God, whether it is directly pointed to God, whether it's directly pointing to him in a positive way or in a negative way, mine's going to be a little more negative, <laughs> um, or whether it's pointing to some sort of higher power, yeah. and it's not directly mentioned that it is God or a creator, but a higher power. I'm really excited about this. We might revisit this someday uh, in, a, in a later episode. Um, but today, we brought two films to the table, um, and the film that I have brought is Darren Aronofsky's mother Oh. exclamation point?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say
0: it's yeah, mother, mother. <laughs> um, this film um, in press screenings when this film came out, uh, they were saying that uh, they were giving critics twelve page twelve pages to read before the film started. Really, I didn't. Yeah. Know that. Oh yeah, they were given twelve page like op eds about written by Aronofsky about what this film is and what it means. Interesting, um, but I don't believe any of them could could do it justice huh. simply because a lot of the Critics that I read, watched, they don't have a knowledge of the Bible. interesting. They just yeah. have a, they just have an understanding of what the Bible is about in a f- like a few paragraphs. Mm. But as someone who's read and studied the Bible, I think that I bring something to the table here. But this film very quickly is about a lot of things. but basically to set it up, Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem uh, are a couple that live in just this a beautifully structured home in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and no one in the film is given a name uh, specifically besides Kristen Wiggs' character, who's only in the film for like two minutes. I
1: was going to say. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, a, it's an extended cameo. Yeah. But uh, so Jennifer Lawrence plays uh, her or mother and Javier Bardem plays uh, him. And Jennifer Lawrence represents Mother Earth. And Javier Bardem is a representation of God. Um, but in this film, Javier Bardem's character is a poet who's struggling to come up with something else to write. He has writer's block and so Jennifer Lawrence is just creating their home making it a paradise as she calls it several times she wants this place to be a paradise but it's interrupted when um a man enters paradise yeah and then a woman enters paradise played by Michelle Pfeiffer and I forget the Ed Harris Ed Harris, it was yeah and then so they're there and and Mother Earth is not liking it she's not enjoying it she's not enjoying them being there and it's scary to her and then their children come in, played by the Gleason brothers, right. Dom Hall and Brian. Or something. I don't know what the other one's name is. I don't know. He's not an actor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they are Cain and Abel. And then from that moment on, when the elder kills the younger, the film just... It, it was biblical before them, but it goes there. Yeah. It goes to these depths and these places. And, and it starts at the end. The film opening scene is creation happening. Because Earth had just died before. And then it goes into the creation of man. And then we have Cain and Abel. And then Darren Aronofsky jumps to the fall of man. And then he jumps to the flood. Which is crazy. And after the flood, like, the brother dies. He's killed by the elder. Then the man and the woman bring in, like, a hundred people into this home. And Mother Earth, Jennifer Lawrence, who should have won an Oscar for this film. She should have. She was good. She was. She was awesome. She is terrified, and they're not listening to her. They're destroying her home, which is Earth, and like which represents Earth, and then like these people sit on a sink that's not braced, and she said several times, "Please don't sit there. Please don't do these things." Which I, when I was watching that movie, I was like, I was like, what the heck is going on with this sink? I yeah. didn't really click. Yeah, and then the sink breaks. Yes. and the house floods. Yep, and then she just keeps. Asking Javier Bardem, who's portraying God, please make them leave. Please make the humans leave. And they do, because the flood, they all died. Right. Yes. And so, like, besides Noah and his family, but there's no representation of Noah and his family in this film. Mm-hmm. And so then Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem have sex, and, and Jennifer Lawrence becomes pregnant, and then, like, they flash forward nine months, and, and then the rest of the film from this point on, like, he's inspired to write. And I fully believe that it is a representation of God writing the New Testament. Because then Jennifer Lawrence, like, gives birth to their son, who represents Jesus. Right. Um, And so, like, this film jumps to these places. And, like, all of these followers of the poet is what Javier Bardem's character's name is. The poet are coming. And the whole film is basically a message that religion is the problem Mm -hmm. with society. And that it is religion that is hurting the earth. And that it is religion is destructive. To which, to a degree, I will agree with Aronofsky. Like As a, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, religion was always the problem with the New right. Testament. You see the Pharisees, the religious zealots being the issue. So to a degree, I'm like, all right, I see your message and yes. I'm kind of there for you, dude. But then it's when he gets to followers of Christ and of God are royally messed up people. And, like, the house becomes a literal war zone with with different cults and sects breaking off with pictures of Javier Bardem, praying to it, bowing to it, lighting it on fire. And all the while, Jennifer Lawrence, who's who's severely pregnant before she gives birth, like, this war is happening all around her. People are trampling on her, spitting on her, calling her vile names. And then, and then she meets up with her husband in the house after all the war. And they go up into his study where no one's allowed. And the study is a representation of heaven. And they're in his office, his study and it's there she right outside the door she gives birth and they, they they escape into it and they're there and he wants to hold the baby to show his followers the baby mm. and she's like no no and they sit there in this elongated scene of a staring contest between mother earth and god right with mother earth holding baby jesus and saying you can't have him but after like 2 days of being awake she falls asleep for 2 seconds and she wakes up and her baby's gone, and he's passed it off to the followers, and like the followers are this newborn infant holding this baby in the air, crowd surfing it, and it dies it's because crazy. because yeah. it's a baby can't hold itself up. Yep. She's crying, and Jennifer is just running through the crowd, pushing people around, and she finds that they've killed the baby and have eaten him, and that's when Javi and that's when uh, Darren Aronofsky starts talking about communion. Yeah. And it's like the followers of the deity killed him and now once Sunday a month they pretend to eat his body right. again yeah and like the way he paints it it's very messed up yeah and when you don't have an understanding of scripture it sounds messed up um and so and so then Jennifer Lawrence finds um she's beaten up very badly and she escapes to the I was basement say, brutally she's brutally beaten by the followers of god in this film and and she escapes to the basement and like breaks open a, a tanker that's full of oil lights a match and she says this to god and this is this is mother earth saying this to god in the film you never loved me you just loved how much i loved you and you gave all of it away oh. And then she strikes a match, burns down the world. But all the while, Aronofsky in this film paints God as a narcissist. Mm. As a selfish, egomaniacal narcissist. And it's heartbreaking to know that there are people out in the world with such power and creativity as this man who will believe this about God. Yeah. Um, and so I, I implore Christians to see this film. Because of what it says about God. Um, And it tests your knowledge of theology and scripture. I agree. Um, It's brutal. It's a brutal film. And if you don't take it, if you take it at face value, this movie will make no sense. It'll make zero sense. Yeah. Like I remember sitting in the theater with people who were just being like, what? I thought this was a horror film. Right. It is a horror film. Yeah. But if you're a believer, it's a different kind of horror film. Um, So that's my film. That is Mother. Yep. Uh, I need to take a break from speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, what's your film? What's your film, dude? Okay, so mine
1: is a Martin Scorsese film that does not feel like a Martin Scorsese film whatsoever. So it is Silence. Uh, this, uh, I haven't seen this. It's awesome. Do you know what it is? Yeah, I know what okay, it is. Yeah. Okay. I just haven't seen it. So just a brief synopsis. It's, it's two Jes- Jesuit priests, is that how you say it? Jesuit. Jesuit, thank you. Um, priests in the 1500s. That go to Japan to evangelize the Japanese people, but also to find another priest that, like a, that, was taken basically and was persecuted. And this movie is—it's rough. I'm not gonna lie; it's it's hard to watch because it is so real of what persecution mm. of Christians looks like. Man, I'm getting I'm getting a little teary. I just thinking about it. Yes. I I was. I was re-watching some of the scenes last night from the movie, just kind of like remembering and kind of what to what to talk about basically and um the the devotion to the gospel that Andrew Garfield's character has mm. is insane wow. and it like they're going here and they're like lying low in the jungle with these Japanese Christians, basically like this is where we're gonna live while we go out and try to find this other priest played by Liam Neeson, and so they're so they're whole, laying low there, and then finally, like the Japanese government finds them, the government at the time, and they're like, and they start taking them, and they're torturing them. They put people on crosses out on the water, and so that when the tide gets high, they're like barely being drowned, so they can see everything around them, but it's just enough so the water is drowning them uh-huh. on crosses. It's, they're they do this thing where they would hang people from their ankles. They would prick the artery in their neck and they're the, I, blood mean, lo- w- I know, I know. I'm sorry. Man. It's, <laughs> but it's insane. And like, but Andrew Garfield's devotion to the gospel is insane. And he is constantly reminded. And I, Romans eight thirty nine. it says, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Will be able will separate us from the mm-hmm. love of God in Christ Jesus, our mm-hmm. Lord. and, you can tell that just by his, his character that he is unwavering in his faith mm-hmm. and he is constantly ready and he's willing to go and yep. rescue this priest or these other Japanese Christians from this persecution, but he's not willing to give up his faith until the end of the movie. He, he is the only one left. Adam Driver's character has died. He's been killed. Um, and he is the soul of the two priests that are left and he sees Jesus in himself and he starts to go on a little bit of an ego trip and think, "I'm like Jesus." I'm Liam Neeson. He eventually finds Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson apostatized, so he basically gave up his faith, gave uh-huh. away his faith, and he's telling Andrew Garfield's character to do the same thing. Just do it. And he's saying, "No, I am." You're speaking the words of the devil. I can't do this. You can't. And he's constantly being bombarded. And he has this ego trip where he thinks he's Jesus and Liam Neeson kind of smacks him back into place and is like, you are not Jesus. You're suffering for him. Is it really worth it? And he is faced finally with this, uh, this moment of like, is it worth it? Hmm. And he's, they're torturing and persecuting these other Christians around him. And he's standing there watching these people being hung by their ankles and Liam Neeson standing there with his finger in his face saying, step on this image of Christ, which is what the Japanese people would make them do, Mm. which is like basically like spitting on the face of Christ saying like, you don't believe in him. You don't trust that he is there for you fully. And uh, Liam Neeson just saying, just do it. Just do it. Save these people. Andrew Garfield's character is like I doesn't know what to do. He's telling these people to apostatize, and they've already apostatized, but they're being tortured because he won't give up his faith. So what does he do? And ultimately what he chooses to do, and I wish we had more time to talk about this because I have questions of what he of the what he chose to do, but he chose to apostatize and to save these people. But he was he stayed in Japan. And he stayed in Japan and the rest of the story goes is he never publicly prayed he never according to the government he never told people about mm. god and about christ anymore but what james 1:12 says blesses the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which mm. god has promised to those who love him mm. and i question if the th- the choice that he made was right mm. Because I see God in this movie in His unwavering faithfulness, um, doing His best to follow God as close as He can. As Uh. He's watching people be killed, but did He make the right choice there? And that's—I wish we had more time to talk about that, but we don't. And at the end of the movie, He's lived out His life in Japan. He married a Japanese woman, and when He dies, it's said that she never shed a tear for Him. And it goes and it shows His casket, and He was buried in in, according to the Buddhist faith but he was his wife tucked in there with him across mm. to signify that he never truly gave up mm. his faith and the fact that she didn't shed a tear when he died she knew where he was going yeah, she yeah. shared with him and you wonder if he still shared with other people yeah. there were other people that were being persecuted after yeah. he died and I wish I could keep talking yeah. but I Seeing his faithfulness and seeing the reality of what happens to Christians, and yet seeing God still being faithful in the midst of that, mm-hmm. that I saw God in that movie, yeah. and I still see him. Yeah, and I, I know, and I'm I'm out of time. We're out of time, unfortunately, for this segment. Yeah, um, but. Wish I could have, like, you know, Kyle yelled at me. told me I couldn't talk about Lord of the Rings. And, you know, I wish I could talk about the fact that... Uh,
0: Not because I think Lord of the Rings is just No, okay, no, 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 no. But, but because d- it's too easy. It's too easy. And I was going to say, I could talk about
1: the fact that Aragorn, Frodo, and Gandalf represent the three offices of Christ. But I'll save that for another podcast, okay?
0: <laughs> so, but... Si- well, guest on because I won't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, right. But, yeah, Silence is my movie. So mm-hmm. that I would...
0: Yeah. Would I see. Got and, me. and, uh... Uh, Mother, you can watch now on Amazon Prime for free if you have Amazon Prime. Yep. Um, Silence used to be on Amazon
1: Prime. I don't know if it's there, so don't quote me on it.
0: But yeah, I would, uh, it sounds like both of these films we would implore you to watch. Yes, definitely. Um, knowing that mine paints is more, is harder to see God in. Yes. Because it paints him so negatively. Right. Um, and if you don't know your Bible, then this film makes no sense. Yeah. If you don't pay attention, it doesn't make any sense. Um, yours is a little more, I think, maybe potentially straightforward and just like, hey, here's faith. Yep. Um, but hopefully it's more real and you're not and watching more a real. pure flex movie. So, yeah. yeah. That's a different episode. That's a different episode. Um, but yeah, so that's we're going to continue on in this section of the podcast and um, in, in episodes further down the line um, because we think it's important to see God in film. All right, it's time for our Unpopular Opinions, the segment of the show where everyone hates us. And by (laughs) us, I mean me. (laughs) That is true. It's true. So to to save viewers' uh, time of listening to me, Alex, why don't you go first for this one? All right. So I don't know if mine is an unpopular opinion
1: or not. But I'm taking advantage of this time slot so that I can rant about a movie that I hate. I'm so scared. <laughs> you haven't told me. Yeah, I think you would hate this. I don't know. Maybe you won't. Oh, I'm just sure. say <laughs> So two days ago, a short film came out called The Battle at, at Big Rock, I think it's oh, called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's like the Jurassic it's like, World. Like, mm-hmm. like, it's a sh- short film that follows Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. And I think... That Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is one of the worst movies ever
0: made. Oh no! Time. I hate this movie oh, so no, much. I, oh, Do you no. like it? I'll just say this about it: the first half I think is the best Jurassic Park we've ever gotten since the first one. The oh, first half.
1: I, like when, when, when does it? When does your half end? Like when it, it, it ends when they leave the island. Okay, I could I could see that. I that's the part of the movie I could actually sit through. I hate this movie so much. I, I first of all... I have the unpopular. (laughs) (laughs) Again. Um, I, so, my first, my big issue with Jurassic World is Blue and all the raptors and stuff. Like, who takes the bad guys from the other movies and makes them the good guys? I would agree. I don't, now, Jurassic World, it's not my favorite movie, but I don't hate it. I really enjoy that. I I, like that movie. I think it's, I enjoy it, too. I I really, I thought it was, I thought it was a fun watch, if anything, but Mm -hmm. I think there's still value in watching it. Um... But I hate Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom for multiple reasons. I think that is some of Chris Pratt's worst acting Oh, yeah. ever. Oh yeah. It's so bad. Bryce Dallas Howard, she's awesome. She can She can She can do whatever she
0: wants. She can do okay. whatever she wants. She, she was fine. Oh. And, but you can see her struggling to pull. Everything I know. Up I know. That poor girl. And J. A. Bayona, a beautiful director. It's directed. It's this directed is well. Your it's directed too. well. I agree, and that's why I think like that whole, especially
1: the volcano scene and stuff like that. Super cool. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. The kid with the afro. What's his name? He was in Detective Pikachu. Uh, I don't
0: know. Justice but, Smith.
1: Yes, I hate him. His He's character so is so bad. It's uh, so annoying. Agreed. But. So the first half, yeah, I could sit through that. The volcano, I thought it was cool. I, I thought it looked really awesome. I think the first really half awesome. is perfect. I, I don't think so, but I don't have enough time to get into <laughs> that because I want to talk about this stupid mansion. <laughs> I hate that part. The, they're trapping animals and they bring them there. I'm like, cool. like Lost World did it better, but I could watch this. Mm-hmm. And then the writing is horrible. I've always, I saw this movie once in theaters and I left it at like 1 in the morning. I'm like, I can't believe I just watched that. And the acting is terrible the premise of bringing them and like and like having them there and we know that Jurassic Park has been in this world before so they've had issues with this before so why are they bringing them over again I understand it's like a whole poaching thing or whatever Mm -hmm. that's fine and then but they so they do all this stuff in the mansion I think it's dumb I think it's some of the worst writing I've seen in any movie I'd rather watch Transformers Dark of the Moon or Dark Side of the Moon or whatever it's called before I'd watch this I think that movie's crap but the least favorite part is the end, when the girl becomes the clone. Oh, yeah. I was that's, that's dumb. And then she makes some sort of commentary about, like, life. I don't even know. She's like, well, if I'm alive... Then yeah, the, to then be. they deserve to be. And they let him out in the world, which is kind of... I will give them... It's kind of cool to, like, have, like, this... All of a sudden, these dinosaurs are running around the Earth. Mm-hmm. gives Jurassic World an actual name. Yeah. But that whole thing where she's like, if they deserve to be. I'm like, what is happening?
0: I well, hate this movie so much. I think the the mansion stuff would've been great if it was like act two yeah and then act three is like starts with like if they'd built this girl up to be a clone right and then like actually spent time with her realizing it rather than like I'm a clone yeah they should be free they should be but, yeah,
1: yeah and did that that short film that came out of, that came out a little bit ago like two or three days ago yeah
0: is better than that movie <laughs> Better than the second half of the movie. I still think it's better for you. It might be for me. It's the whole movie. Like <laughs> when they when the Brontosaurus is in shadows. Oh yeah. I was weeping. Yeah. Because, the first, act of the movie, I think, I think is, <laughs> on par with Jurassic Park. I, I can't see it. But that's why unpopular opinions exist. That's why
1: they exist? And I'm getting so angry right now that I'm going to let you go. Okay. And I'm a little worried that I'm, I'm going to get
0: more, more angry? angry. So <laughs> oh, no. Um, I wrote a, a little one-liner about mine to start it <laughs> off with. Captain America, the first Avenger. More like Captain America, the worst Avenger. Nice. <laughs> I... And it's not Captain America. I just say that for the pun. Steve Rogers sucks. Yeah. I... Hate Steve Rogers. Hate's a strong word, but I'm going to use it a little bit just to, like, get this going here. Get my feelings going about it. Um, <laughs> Steve Rogers. <laughs> I'll say this. Tony Stark and Steve Rogers switch. Whereas, like, in the first few Captain America movies, Steve Rogers is this, like, selfless. He's just trying to figure this out. Right. He's just trying to do what's right. And Tony Stark in his first few movies is, like, a billionaire playboy philanthropist. right? And he's that's what he is. Yeah. And then... Avengers Endgame, he sacrifices himself for the human race, whereas Steve Rogers just does whatever he wants to get what he wants. Oh! Steve Rogers becomes not a billionaire playboy philanthropist, a selfish, egomaniacal, narcissistic, PTSD-suffering whiner baby. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Poor Cap. Like, no, he's not Cap. He was never Captain America. Actually, maybe he was Captain America in the way they didn't want him to be in that he is all those things and America's all those things. So do,
1: don't don't you think that... Because I agree. I think that they swapped. I think that's kind of the point of the characters. But
0: I... Because so, Captain America First Avenger is not a good movie. Right. Okay, but we're talking about Steve Rogers. That's what we're talking about? Yes. Steve okay. Rogers. Okay. not Not Captain America the movies. We're talking okay. about Steve Rogers the character. Gotcha. Civil War. I cannot watch... Because when I saw that, everyone was like, "Team Cap, Team Cap," and I'm like, "Why are we Team Cap when he's all these things? We should be Team Cap in the sense of like, let's all pay to get this man counseling." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And everyone's like, "Tony Stark is selfish," and blah, 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 blah. Tony Stark wants to do what's right to save the world. Captain America wants to do what's right to save the world, but in so much as Cap gets what Cap wants, oh, interesting, total freedom. Yeah. Tony Stark is willing to go under law and under the rule and authority of other people so that way lives might be safer. Interesting. Cap's like, no, we should be free to do whatever we want, when we want it, and go save who we want. But that's what got people killed by Scarlet Witch. Oh, yeah. And Tony's like, no, 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 no. We need to, like, take a step back and think this through. Yeah. And no. Cap's like, heck no. I want what I want when I want it. But I want, I want, can I poke the bear a little bit? Yes, please. Being the bear, being Kyle. Yeah. Um,
1: kill wh- the bear. So that's, yeah, kill the bear. So that's the whole point of Civil War is like
0: they both suck, right? Right. But here, they don't though. That's the thing. Is I like, think that they do This know. is, but Civil War is where both those characters meet in the middle and are virtually the same. Oh. But then after that is when they split and Cap becomes who Tony used to be and Tony becomes who Steve Rogers thinks he is. Oh, Okay. Tony's the one who becomes what Captain America should have always signified. Selfless, self-sacrifice, and a want for the embetterment of humanity and doing whatever it takes. Yeah. Cap becomes the f- playboy who at the end of Endgame, sure, he goes back in time and puts all the stones where they need to go. Right. But he stays where he always wanted to. Be, yeah. Which is good for the character, good for you, dude. But that signifies that's all he ever wanted. Interesting. That's all Steve Rogers ever wanted. I mean, yeah. And he's selfish, and he should not be looked up the way looked up to the way he is by so many Americans watching the MCU movies. Yeah, he shouldn't. Tony should be. We should be following the example of Tony, but who goes Tony- from being a billionaire playboy philanthropist who's selfish and egomaniacal to he's still got an ego because that's right. him. But in Endgame, Tony goes secludes himself in the woods and lives the life he wanted to live. But then they come back and like, we need your help. Yeah. You know what he does? He sacrifices his entire life for the world. Right. You know what Steve Rogers does? Goes back in time and lives the life he wanted to live.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting.
0: Steve Rogers. Terrible.
1: Interesting. Yeah, you're probably going to make a lot of people mad.
0: Well, if I haven't, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, you know?
1: I, I honestly think that they both kind of suck, so. I. <laughs> I Especially
0: in Civil War. Oh, because I But seen, I think that's how they're supposed I've to be. I've seen Civil War twice. Yeah. I can't I, I refuse to watch it. Yeah. People are like, let's watch a movie, let's watch Civil War. It's like a lot of action scenes. I'm like, no, 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 I can't I can't I can't I can't watch the action scenes. I can't watch that movie at all. See now see this is why I like Batman vs. Superman, but because we're running out of time I can't talk about that. Yeah. So But then 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 I'm popular. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for that one. Oh, man. All right, so we have moved into the final segment of today's episode in which we are going to begin a discussion about why Christians should potentially think about engaging with Hollywood or the entertainment industry. Hmm. Um, This isn't a conversation by which Alex and I say that we have the answer. Right. Um, I think the answer comes on the individual. Um, Because as we've mentioned, there are things that like Alex will watch that I'm just like can't do that dude right, like i yeah. can't sit through a fast and the furious yeah, yeah, yeah. in the movie theater like i'll sit through it at your home where you've bought it and you've paid for it <laughs> um and sometimes i'll be like i really want to go see this independent movie that's really deep and about emotions and psychology and like what does this picture of this butterfly mean for three hours now Alex will be like no am not gonna go see that
1: <laughs> hashtag tree life
0: oh, <laughs> anyway so we're gonna start this discussion and we're just gonna continue to have it yeah um
1: I think it would be appropriate, at least, for, especially for this podcast, yeah. being able to critically and biblically engage content. Mm-hmm. I think it would be appropriate for this to be an ongoing discussion. Right. But I also think it's
0: appropriate for us to kind of like springboard into it. Right. So. so so, what we've kind of found out through comparing notes is that I kind of have like a why a little bit. And Alex has more of a how. Yeah. And so we're just going to talk. We're just going to talk for the next few minutes about why Christians should engage Hollywood yeah. in the entertainment industry. And so I'm going to kick it off. Where the Bible kicks off, creation. Says, yep. God is a creator. We see that very clearly in the first two chapters of Genesis. He creates light and darkness, sun, moon, stars, earth, the seas, the animals, and then the pinnacle of creation. He creates man. But then he takes it a step farther. He says, Now let's make man in our own image, that our being the Trinity. Yeah. And so man redeemed or unredeemed, and I've talked about this before, has the imago Dei, and that is the image of God placed inside of them. And so I fully believe that Christians should consider engaging in Hollywood simply because they're image bearers. And so we should engage with them. We should engage in their thought level. We should engage with their belief system, so much so as we can have intelligent conversations with them about their belief system. Christians will sit and they will listen to politicians and they will sit and listen to to athletes. But whenever an actor or a musician or a director or a writer is brought in, there's fear that comes into the Christian. Yeah. Because for the most part, the actor, the writer, the director, the producer, they're very intelligent people. Not every actor, yeah, that's but true. like the ones that are worth paying attention to are incredibly intelligent because they understand the human psyche and what it means to be human. I think in ways that Christians might not, and so that's that's where I want to start this conversation is yeah. with general revelation. Yes, general revelation being the theological idea that. Because the, the earth cries out to God, because the oceans and the mountains and the stars and the trees and even the animals and blades of grass and simple little flowers reveal the majesty of God. Yes. And so it says in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So that people are without excuse. Yeah. And that is general revelation. And and f- it is from general revelation that I believe writers write. Unredeemed writers write. Unredeemed filmmakers create film. Unredeemed cinematographers choose camera angles. Yes. Unredeemed actors choose the emotion behind their lines. Yeah. Because a general revelation has been given to them through which they can see God. Yeah. But they choose not to. I think it's interesting because the
1: there are those that are redeemed and that are mm. doing that as well, though. And they, and because of special revelation, right. Um, because of Christ revealed to us through his word mm. and through mm-hmm. his spirit, we are able to have that right revelation. So, like, yeah. even if you look in like the book of John, for mm-hmm. instance, you see creative writing there because yeah. he is taking Old Testament mm-hmm. texts and Old Testament, um, testament
0: uh prophecy yeah. and put in in his word in a creative sense yeah and when you look at when you look at the psalms and the proverbs it's poetry in motion yes and it's creative it's still god breathed as, as second timothy will tell us right and it's profitable for teaching and rebuking and training in righteousness but it's still creative and, and that's through special revelation which only comes to the believer yeah, and as we talk about special revelation, I think something that is interesting to note is my favorite Marvel movie is Doctor Strange. But the director and writer of Doctor Strange is a man named Scott Derrickson, and Scott Derrickson is a professed believer in Christian. And when you look and you pay attention to his films, you see it. Yeah, especially on the balcony in the lightning storm in Doctor Strange. Mm. Rewatch that film and 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 see that.
1: Interesting. I haven't and, noticed that.
0: Yeah, I can't I can't watch Doctor Strange without bawling my eyes out at that scene, knowing that there's a representation of, of gospel. In, Interesting. And, and it's, it's, incredible, it's incredible to see. And so that's, that's where I want to start this conversation, is with the Imago day still exists in unredeemed people. And it must be respected, and it must be paid attention to, because how can we expect to win people with the gospel and share the gospel with them if we don't engage them on their thought level? Yes. If we cannot go to right where they are, but all too often, Christians are so much easier to go to the athlete, the politician, mm-hmm. because I don't know why. Yeah. I, and I, I can't begin to fathom why they would rather go to to a football player or a basketball player than than an actor or a writer. Mm. And I think it has a lot to do with like the fear of the created. Yeah. Whereas an athlete, it's an art form. I'm not going to deny it that. Yeah. But, like, the football player hasn't created anything. Yeah, totally. Whereas J.K. Rowling has created something. Yeah. And I think that's a disconnect there, that that Christians can be afraid to engage the thought level of a creator. Yeah.
1: And unfortunately, what happens is, a lot of times, I, at least from my from my experience, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to make too big a generalization, but from my right. experience, a lot of Christians will spit on the face of a creator a creative person mm-hmm. or creator mm-hmm. without even looking first to what they've created right um so for instance like when we talked about midsummer right like we we engaged with him mm-hmm. we engaged with Ari Aster we engaged to a point where we found out that we disagreed and we were not yep. fans necessarily yeah. of some of the things that he was portraying but we didn't immediately come to it and be like and be like nah, that's gonna, that movie's crap. There's right. nothing there that's going to benefit me whatsoever right. because
0: I think I know what's best for me. Exactly. Yeah. And so we're going to spit and throw him out mm-hmm. of our mind immediately. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's so... that From my experience as well, many believers are quick to just disengage it and throw it away and turn on a football game where they're being fed a lot of different messages. Yeah. Whereas like, to sit down and watch a creator express their view of God whether it's good bad in between i think christians need to realize that that is something they need to start realizing yeah that they that they need to do big time um and so and so that's where i've that's where i've approached this question yeah it's from the imago dei and general revelation and the idea of like i think in my experience christians hesitant to engage creators yes i think you're right I, i'm on the same page because as there's a nebulousness to it yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and so I, I definitely i took this in a different direction than kyle um, surprise. Surprise. surprise surprise yeah a yeah, yeah, big <laughs> surprise right um but mine is more from the perspective of wisdom mm. and um understanding what to take in so that's why when kyle was asked this question he asked a why and I think we've talked a little bit about that now and yeah. like it's not something we're going to stop talking about. And I, I need to podcast. throw out
0: that I'm not saying engage with everything. No, no, no. That's yeah. what That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm fully on board with what Alex is going to say, right. but also I want to, I want to say that I'm not saying go engage because just because there is wisdom. Yes. And we've talked about being wise on this podcast. Yes. Um, not to a great length or depth, but it's come up and being wise in what you, what you choose to see and what you choose to view. Yeah. um and so like I don't want to steal your thunder so no
1: that's fine yeah and like I think that what's going to come of this is there has to be a balance to understanding it right balance is not easy right and I will I'll be honest it's just not it's not easy always to find that balance but mm-hmm. there is a balance to be had so from what I've understood and like even like this past Sunday I was teaching um, that about kind of like understanding where we put ourselves in the world mm. as a, in terms of how it comes to when we engage content yeah. so from one perspective it's i think i know what's best for me and i so that means if if uh, if i engage anything that could be sinful i have to hide myself away from it i can't be engaging mm-hmm. with that i can't be a part of that so all of a sudden you become recluse or uh you become like ha- in like putting yourself away from those things a in recluse the world. yeah 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 recluse yeah and so when you do that, all of a sudden you're not engaging with the world. Then all of a sudden your thoughts become what you think is best for you. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can critical you can engage the Bible and God's Word and that will guide you in life. And I truly believe that. I think that God's Word is the forefront of wisdom. But that is because it comes from God. Yeah. And so if you're thinking what's best for you, you could go to the other extreme and be like, I know what's best for me. So even if it means hiding away my sin or hiding away the sinful things or even engaging these things because I enjoy the sin that yeah. I can get from it, mm. that's a dangerous place to put yourself in. Yeah. So the big thing that I wanted to discuss is where does wisdom come from? And Romans 8.26 It says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we Mm -hmm. ought, but the spirit himself intercedes Mm -hmm. for us with groanings too deep for words. Mm -hmm. That last part of that gets me. But the big thing there is that the spirit is the one that Mm -hmm. helps us in our weakness. So in those weaknesses of hiding ourselves away or of choosing that sin, Mm -hmm. the spirit is going to be there to intercede and is going to guide us in wisdom. Yeah. And so coming from that, I wanted to just look at Isaiah 11, two real quick in the time in this little bit of time here but it says and the spirit of the lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord mm-hmm. i'm going to do my best to not sound like i'm preaching here so but
0: <laughs> no the, you better you better preach to us <laughs> you better teach
1: um so the big thing though is that if you have the spirit he knows what's best for you. Oh, God amen. knows what's best for amen. you. And so if you think that you can engage something because you think he knows what's best for ooh, you, if you think ooh. you can go and watch the midsummer and watch that last 20 minutes and be okay, if, more if, power to you. To more try. power. T- but if you think that it's best for you, double check with the Spirit.
0: Double check with that Spirit.
1: And honestly, if you have the Spirit flowing through you, if you truly are pursuing God, with everything you do, with all your might, and seeking first mm-hmm. the kingdom mm-hmm. of God, that will become natural. Yeah, and it's not—it's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Oh yeah, but that last part of Isaiah 2, two—the spirit of knowledge mm-hmm. and the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of um, wisdom. Uh, yes, Amen. So when you have the
0: fear of the Lord, you will have the knowledge that is right for you. And and that's something that I think people don't want it. Christians, what I've what I've been deciphering over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm is that a lot of young Christians or, or people our age who have been Christians for a little while have trouble making decisions. Yes. Um, but we have trouble deciding what movie to watch on Netflix. Yeah. But I fully believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I fully believe that we just need to make the choice. Knowing God's going to get glory no matter what choice you make. Right. Whether you watch the film or you don't. Yes. Whether you watch the TV show or you don't. Whether you go to the college you go to or you don't. Whether you marry the person you marry or you don't. God gets glory no matter what choice is made. Right. But it is on our end, our responsibility as followers and believers, to be walking in the Spirit, in tune with God, and the making decisions that we believe will make us holy. Yes. More holy and more like Christ. Yes. And so like... And here's the here's the kicker: is that's God's will for your life is right. to be holy, for He is holy. Shout out to Jen Wilkin for it nice. revealed, helping me see that. Yes. Um, but when it comes to film, when it comes to Hollywood, yeah, it comes back down to the individual. It does, because like the last twenty minutes of we'll, we'll throw it back to Midsummer for a moment here. Yeah, like, it affected us both differently. I was not okay with it. But I was more okay with it than you were, right? Yeah. And what got me in the film, you were more okay with it than I was, yeah. And, and 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 so even even in in Mother, mm. which which I talked about today, there are things that affected me different in it than you, yeah. And so like that comes back to me of like, okay, why did this affect me this way? Why am I thinking now this way? Let's take my thoughts and these emotions the way this film gave me to scripture. Yeah. And let's let's decipher this Holy Spirit. Give me the power and the strength. And we've seen in First Kings three, the very first thing King Solomon asks for is wisdom. Yeah. To know how to live, and then immediately after asking that, two women come in. This baby's mine. No, this baby's mine. All right, fine. I don't know whose baby this is. So let's cut it in half. Each get a half. No, give her the baby. Boom. Wisdom. Yeah. That's the mom. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But that to me, like, it all comes back to you as the individual yeah. believer but I still think that you should engage. Yeah. and But to the depth you do is up to you. Yes. And I think I think it's appropriate for us to be
1: said, Kyle and I were just talking to a friend last night and about su- similar to this topic. Mm-hmm. And one of the big things that I push is you, through that wisdom that the Spirit's going to give you, mm-hmm. know, he's going to help you know where your sin lies. Yeah. So to the degree of what you can engage entertainment, to what you can engage film... The spirit is going to give you wisdom on, because mm-hmm. the spirit's not going to
0: encourage sinfulness. Right. The spirit isn't going to push you to somewhere where and you're that's gonna sin. conviction. Right. The spirit will convict you of your sin or even temptation.
1: Yeah. And you will. And the thing is, we're human, so we are going to sin. Yeah. You're gonna. We're probably Kyle and I probably have both engaged content before that has been sinful to us. Mm-hmm. And. That was out of a personal decision. I think thus that was not a spiritual decision. Like
0: just a quick, a very quick example. Like the second time I watched Captain America: Civil War, Mm. I knew it was going to make me angry and and make me upset in unbiblical ways. Yet I chose to watch it anyway. Mm. And you might be thinking, well, that's just that's a silly Marvel movie. Like, what you're not talking about a different type of film? No, like, okay, like I cannot watch Captain America: Civil War because it makes me. Angry, Yeah. Not a righteous anger. Mm -hmm. Just full on mad. Yeah. And I cannot, I cannot watch that. Right. And so like, and that's just a surface level example of something. But I think it still, it still gets the point across of like, I've engaged with the film and now engaging with the spirit Tell me, don't watch that film again.
1: Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And so again, this is an ongoing discussion that we want to have with you guys. So feel yeah. free follow us on Twitter um, at The crit, the Critical Mill. The m- Critical Mill 1. The Critical Mill 1. Uh, or just search for The Critical just, yep. Millennial. You'll see our yellow and purple X. Follow us on Instagram at the underscore critical underscore millennial. Yep. Again, just search Critical Millennial. You'll find our Look for the purple, logo. purple, yellow X. You'll find it there. And we want to have this discussion with you. Yeah. We want this to be an ongoing discussion between ourselves, between us and the Spirit, between us and Scripture, and we want you guys to join us in that. And all that to say, thank you so much Woo. for for listening to episode three. of yes. Revenge of the Sith. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey,
1: that's a good one, right? Is it? I don't know.
0: <laughs> um, so go ahead, go watch a film this week. Yeah let us let us know what
1: movies that you like that you engage God with or something like that. Yeah, I'd love to yeah. hear that. What's a
0: film that, that the masses are like, oh, God's in that film. Yeah, God's I would love film. to hear that. I'll probably hate it. You'll probably love it. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. Probably. My unpopular opinion. Y'all suck. <laughs> oh, no. Please don't unfollow us. <laughs> Please follow us and then unfollow us. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this was fun. I really enjoyed this conversation yes, was today. Alex. This is great. Um, like we said, go go ahead. Uh, Mother is free for you on Amazon Prime if you have Amazon Prime. Silence you could probably rent on Amazon oh, for yeah. a few dollars. Um, so yeah, go out there, engage, and let's let's get critical together. All right. Have a good day, everybody. My gosh, the critical millennial!